welcome to the official Copper and Blue podcast. This is episode, what is it? I believe it's episode five now? Something like that? You could say. Okay, we're, we're saying episode five. Uh, I'm your host, Preston Hodgkins, and joining me are my co-hosts, Shona Hickmore and Corey Travers. And wow, you guys, we are coming off quite a few weeks of Oilers hockey. The Oilers are 9-1-0 to start the NHL season, which is a franchise best. I think the second best record in franchise history is 8-0-2. So this, we're in uncharted territory officially for the Edmonton Oilers. And they're coming off a fantastic come-from-behind 6-5 to five win against the New York Rangers on Friday in overtime courtesy of a beautiful goal from Connor McDavid and an overtime winner by Leon Dreisaitl. Guys, it's 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 looking good. We're, we're having a good time right now, aren't we? It's Everything's it's coming up roses some... in oil country, Preston. I'm starting to have some positive feelings about La Bamba, which I don't think, you know, previous to the season, anyone ever would have been like, oh, yes, I really love that song. Oh, really? Song. Oh, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I like it too, yeah. Okay, I think you're in. I think you're in the the minority here, Shona. I think that you know it's one of those songs that unless it's got a positive, no one's picking La Bamba just like randomly. <laughs> this is a very old song. Like I'll give you that. I I don't hear it often, but uh, I don't know. It's good, and now I have a great positive connotation. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oil Country loves it now, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, if in September you'd asked Oil Country to pick their top, you know, ten win songs, I bet you La Bamba was not on that list. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like the vibe it gives. It's a it's a celebratory song, and it feels good when the when the team is celebrating toward or f- with it in the background, especially because it's a it's a homage to to Joey Moss as well. It just makes it that much better, right? So it's nice that we're hearing that song nine out of the ten times this season, um, despite some of those wins being sure. away. But Not whatever. Sure. You only hear that song when they win at home. Ah, uh, whatever. Oil Country's playing it after every win, no matter if it's home or away. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that New York Rangers game. It was, uh, I know I was watching that game with my dad and when the Oilers went down 4-1, it was a lot of the usual feelings for Oilers fans, cursing and swearing at the TV, uh, just watching the team give the puck away, watching the defense like easy goals in. And uh, then they changed it around. So what, what were your guys' first thoughts initially when the team got down to that 4-1 uh, deficit? Well, my, my first thought, and I'll have to be 100% honest on this, I did not get to watch that game as it was happening live. Um, I was over at the Elks game, which is uh, a poor choice on my part because <laughs> the Oilers are so much better. You were one and, of the 20 uh, people there? Yeah. There was not a lot of – there was they were playing the Riders, so there's a lot of oh, Riders. Okay. okay. Um, yes, I hear that the LR, that Commonwealth ran out of Pilsner for all those Riders fans, which is sad for everybody. Uh, I had a few Pilsner as well, so – they may have run out, yes, at the end of the game. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, I saw they were down 4-1, and I was like, well, good thing I didn't stay home to watch the Oilers game or, or, or go to the game because it looks like a stinker. And then I got a text from my brother saying, oh, my God, Connor just scored the nicest goal I've ever seen. And I was like, well, I got to look this up on Twitter. And sure enough, it was like the nicest goal I've ever seen. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> what a hell of a comeback. What a hell of a win. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I uh... – Felt a little bit like someone had lit the dumpster, finally lit the dumpster on fire um, for that first bit of that game. Like uh, Corey, I got a text after that McDavid goal. One of my friends was at the game. He's like, oh, my God, Connor McDavid just did Connor McDavid things. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Connor McDavid things is what we'll call them, right? <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, no, I just like I I cannot get over how poor that start was though. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, you're only focusing on the negative, but I gotta say the start to that game one, we have a brand brutal. And we do have a brand here, and uh, that brand is uh, the Oilers' defense isn't good. And they really showed that. And I, I know I tweeted out when they were on that 4-1 deficit that this is this is kind of scary that this is what happens when the Oilers' defense faces a, a competent forward group. Because the Oilers, despite their fantastic record, they haven't really gone up against a really good forward group. You could argue that Vegas has a good forward group, but we ran into them with a bunch of injuries. Uh, Calgary's been pretty good this year, but we got them in their first game of the year, so maybe they weren't as great as they probably are now. So I you think don't wash really- your mouth out with soap, Preston. <laughs> Complimenting <laughs> Calgary is not on brand. I know. I don't even think they're that great. I think that their their record is exploded uh, from the the what three overtime losses. I don't think the well, they're practically seven and four or something like that right now. So I don't think they're fantastic. They're they're okay. They're better than last year, maybe. But yeah, the Oilers haven't really faced a good team this year, and it kind of showed um, in how they uh, they handled that offensive pressure. But hey, props to them. They they stuck in it. Uh, they got goals from the big guns. Jesse Pugliarvi pulled through. Tyson Berry, pretty good game. Pretty solid game from number 22 as well. Yeah, I mean, I got to go to the, the Kraken game on Monday, primarily because my great interest was in watching the Kraken jerseys live. Um, That's fair. Very, yeah. pretty, very pretty jerseys. Um, but I I remember um, just thinking, you know, the, um, the Kraken aren't fantastic. They are apparently not going to Vegas us all this year. Oh, thank God. Um, yet, like, unless they have some fantastic, um, you know, later games. But I remember thinking that even against – that one of the Kraken goals, maybe the second goal. And I think it's Barry that, you know, he was good on Friday, but like awful on Monday. Like yeah. Jimmy Schwartz just goes around him like he's a pylon. And I was like, no, no, don't, no, this is awful, <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, that's something I've seen with the Oilers defense this year, especially with guys like Darnell Lairs. And I've seen it with Duncan Keith a few times too. When these attacking forwards come down on the Oilers zone, they have a hard time just pressuring them they allow them to have the outside and they give them all the time and all the room in the world this to pick their spot the outside he let him have like a straight shot oh yeah that one, one was a pretty he pretty did not one. like he should have pushed him to the outside and he didn't and i remember thinking what the hell like <laughs> in the first goal i think darnell nurse got like completely turned around and inside out on and i was just like 9.25 million yeah, I know. that's the number right? um but 8.5 million would buy me leon drive saddle 9.25 doesn't go as far defensively as 8.5 goes offensively i can't get over but, that leon dry saddle contract oh my god so yeah it turned out being so good it I turned mean, out to be amazing Shirelli's fault and i will not <laughs> i will not praise peter shirley on this podcast but that ended up being a pretty good deal yeah. uh i mean Let's just remind everyone he made some of the worst trades in, in NHL history, but but that deal was a was a really good move. And he made some good drafts. But other than that, frig that guy. I'll say frig because we haven't sworn yet. Yeah, we, we, we have not. Um, right, we don't have reason that, to swear right now. Press, well, we can happy We're swear. Happy. Oh, we can happy swear, I, I suppose. Yeah. And, and by we, that means Corey and me because Preston is never the one that breaks I, the seal. Sometimes, sometimes I, I let my emotions get the best of me. I try to keep them in check, but 
I'm only human. Um, but yeah, Corey, you've been pretty quiet. Where are, you, where are your thoughts on that that Rangers game? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, to Shona's point, like we're gonna have a lot of games like that because you know she's talking about Barry getting walked by by Schwartz there, and then like that's gonna happen. And I and, and you know Darnell Nurse, who's you know a better version of Barry, uh, you know, is a different version of Barry. Obviously, a lot more physical. Um, but none of them are like fantastic defensive defensemen. Yeah. I don't think we really have a guy who's like calling card is defensive defense. And like, you know, I guess CC, he kind of has had that label, yeah. but that's more just like, he's not a great offensive player. So his strength has yeah, to be something. Yeah, CC gets that label by default because he exactly. can't do anything else. So, yeah, it's a default label. Uh, we just, you know, we're going to be in a lot of high scoring games. Uh, Miko Koskinen has done a fantastic job of, you know, keeping the Oilers in games enough so that their offense, which, you know, does score a ton and will continue to score a ton, especially when that power play is clicking uh, to win these games. But, you know, I'm kind of starting to see why Grant Fuhr got all that praise in the 80s because Nico yeah. Koskinen is just being left to dry back there and hung out to dry. And the offense is at least scoring a ton of goals, which is awesome. Uh, and we're winning a bunch of fire wagon hockey games, which, uh, you know, not everyone's, you know, a huge fan of those games because they're stressful. I love them. I, I, I'll take a six, five game any day of the week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the life as an Oilers fan right now. And, uh, you know, we're privileged to see this team that's nine and one, which is awesome. Uh, but you know, people who say that there's no flaws with this team or are suggesting that, you know, we're, we're pointing out imperfections. I mean, you're just not paying attention. There's plenty of flaws with this team. It's just oh, yeah, that sure. their strengths are extremely impressive. It's it's, 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 it's so weird because the strengths are re- really impressive and very apparent and our weaknesses are also very apparent. So like you said, it's going to be a lot of those high scoring games. You know what, what strikes me as particularly amusing is I was on Twitter on Friday night because, you know, what you do on you know Twitter, you yeah. know, it's like and half the half the tweets are about, oh, well, you know, there's this rumor that the Oilers are going to trade for Flurry out of Chicago. And how that's going to fix, you know, all the Oilers really need is a, you know, amazing goaltender in their set. And I was sitting there looking at this tweet, thinking to myself, you know, if they're going to trade for players, one, please don't trade with Chicago. Chicago hosed you hardcore last yeah, time. Just, I know it's a new GM there and everything, but just yeah. stay away. Um, for sure. And then the other thing is, I think that, to be honest, you know, Mike Smith, when he was not injured, was good for the Oilers to start the season. Koskinen's been good in just about every game he's played. I, I know he had some hiccups in the Philadelphia game where he was maybe a little off his game, but like, if you really want to talk about what the Oilers, if they want to trade for something, which maybe I would think they don't right now, you know, um, I doubt like heck they want to trade for a goalie. See there, yeah. Corey, I'm respecting the fact we haven't taken the lid off the swear jar either. I don't think we will. You know what? I think we're going to bowl a perfect game, perfect 300 today. <laughs> um, um, but, like, so I don't know. Like, I find it super interesting, you know, like you were saying, Preston, to me it seems like the Oilers' weaknesses are super apparent as are their strengths. But then I go out into, the, like, the blogosphere and the Twitter sphere and all that, and it seems like it's like, well, if we just get a goalie, and I'm like, yeah, that's... at least fix the defense. I, and that's what I was thinking too. Hmm. I, I think huh. I was just. About I knew to say they were now. magic, but I didn't know they could do that. <laughs> you know? um, 
yeah, that's one of the surprising things about this this team over the last few years is I feel like every year we go in with this Smith and Koskinen duo and everyone's like, this isn't good enough. It's not going to be good enough to go into the playoffs. They're not going to be good enough to get through a, a good regular season. And, you know, I've said that too plenty of times, but every year it seems like they're ju- they're doing it. They're just fine and they're, they're proving to be a, a capable duo. And I know we haven't seen a lot of Mike Smith uh, because of his injury, which is kind of strange because I believe that happened like four weeks ago or something. And it was only supposed to be day-to-day, and he's still not even on the bench. So I don't know what's going on there. But Mikko Koskinen, has, is, he's a good goalie. He's a good goalie. I think a lot of people jumped on him for a few bad games at the end of the year. Um, unfairly so. And he's come come back this year, and, and he's top two in wins. He's got, like, uh, above 920 save percentage. Like He's a solid mm-hmm. goalie if you give him the proper rest and deployment. And I think uh, it needs to be pointed out, too, that Preston was – talking about how good Koskinen actually is in our season preview show. Yeah. And we were all like, yeah, no, he's better than people give him credit for. And Preston was, was, uh, you know, banging this drum harder than anyone saying, oh, yeah, no, Koskinen's I'm a good goalie. I'm so, a big Michael fan, man. I, I, I believe in the guy and I think he's got an unfair rap here, but I'm not going to sit but here and say really he's a Vesna winner, but. Finnish Oilers are Preston's jam. Oh, I love me some Finns. Right? The Oilers have always had great Finns. I was a huge Carter like, Kennedy fan back in the day, so I just feel like it's this super weird world for the Oilers, where like you know Preston will say that the strengths are super apparent, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Connor McDavid," until they get like mad at Connor McDavid for not back checking enough or something. Um, yeah. But I don't know if for a lot of people the Oilers' weaknesses are super apparent. Well, um, no, obviously not, because I've been in this discourse on Twitter for a while. Yeah, because Preston's still picking fights with people. Oh yeah, so I do that. Child that he is. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, the only, like the fair thing that we can say is that like the others don't have like a, a a bad blue line, and that like they have plenty of fine players, but they just kind of all have the same skill set. Yeah. So like it's a good defense to push the pace and break out and get the puck on the stick of Drysaddle and McDavid and help us score goals. Like that's that's fine. Like they're fine at that. They're not bad players individually. It's just like a lot of guys with the same skill set, and none of that involves defending particularly well. Well, yeah. See, I I think that that you've got a lot of guys with the same skill set, but at various levels of actually being able to use that, utilize that skill set. So like CC is by far less capable of utilizing that, you know, uh, exit pass, um, push the puck up the ice with speed than Barry. Right. So, um, for me, the Oilers' defense is slightly less than fine because I feel like it, you know, it does have like one job that it's, you know, really geared towards doing. But I feel like there are people on the defense, you know, everyone knows I'm not a huge Barry fan, but Barry, Bouchard, even Cuckoo to a greater extent are able to like, match that pace that's coming from their forward group or, you know, read the play for the exit passes and all those things. Um, They've been better at it. Um, And maybe that's partly due to exposure to the Oilers system, but then CC and Keith in particular, I think I've struggled to see that. I've struggled with that um, defensive pairing because it seems out of place, um, kind of out of sync in some of the games or for parts of some of the games, like it's really a step behind where the forward group needs it to be, or if it's not behind, it's just not 
you know, and then, and then like you're saying, Corey, it, it'll click and it'll be like amazing for three shifts and then it'll kind of seem out of sync again. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that in those three shifts, it's, there's been two goals scored and like, you know, they've got, you know, whatever. Right. So like when they work, they work fantastically well to your point, Corey, I just feel like I'm a big proponent of 60 minutes of hockey and not, you know, 30, 35, 40, you know, um, I, I, and I feel I just, like maybe our defense is still in that, that playing two of three periods kind of mode. So uh, I have a, can, a crazy little, little stat here to throw to you guys. So we're talking about defense and obviously there's like, like Corey said, all of them are, are pretty decent players by themselves, but they're all pretty similar in skill set. So that kind of creates a one dimensional defense. Um, but on the forward group, like my God, eight of our ten games we scored five plus goals this year. Like our our offense is really living up to that like top of the league standard. Um, I think the only games we haven't scored five or more goals is the two games against Vancouver. We they were both uh, two one no, and three two. I think they only scored three against Philadelphia. Oh, in Philadelphia. Sorry, I forgot about that one. Um, so seven, I think I counted Philadelphia's five there for us. So seven of our 10 games, which is pretty insane. And our power play, it's par for the course, man. 50% as well. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it might be the best power play ever. Like yeah, that's not even sure. too much of a hyperbole at this stance. I mean, last two years, it's been the best power play in the NFL or in the NHL, but pretty decent you know margin. i don't know because the nfl doesn't have power plays so That's it could right. be the best power play there too Corey. <laughs> i mean i'd imagine if the nfl did have power plays it'd be pretty effective because you just got like more guys to to block than you have <laughs> able to make a tackle so i well, think it's like I, an I nfl like level power play NFL where it's like a guaranteed score I feel like putting them on ice really disadvantages them and really gives our guys a good shot. Yeah, yeah. Good we're Oilers power play best in all big four sports for sure. Um, at the moment, probably ever. Um, clicking at fifty percent, I think now. And you know, it's it's something that uh, even when we're not playing that well, you know, we get a power play and it totally changes the tide of the game. I, I think I mentioned this when we played uh, Vegas. Like we got off to a really piss poor start against Vegas. I think. Uh, despite their injuries, they got the early lead. We get a power play. We tie it up. It's a totally new game. And then everything shifts our way after that. So it's insane to see how good this power play is because the addition of, of Zach Hyman to that, to that net front presence, like I think he might be the best player in front of the net. And to add him to the likes of McDavid, Drysdale, Nuge, uh, Barry's a fantastic power play guy. Like it's, oh my God, it's insane. So uh, when you got that going for you, you can kind of get away with that one-dimensional defense, I guess. Yeah. And I we have like a, a decent second unit on the power play as well. Oh, for sure. And having someone like Bouchard who can who can really – I mean, the thing that we say a lot, and it's still true, is that like Barry was probably expendable in the offseason because of Bouchard. Yeah. Uh, with being, But like, you know, it is nice to have two of those guys uh, to quarterback your power plays. And also – uh, we were criticizing the defense a lot earlier, and I, I, I was including. I didn't exclude anyone there. Uh, I would like to exclude Bouchard from yeah, all my for criticisms. Sure. I never, never will criticize that guy. He's, he's awesome. He was, so. he, you know, even in games where the defense hasn't been fantastic, he has, um, the very least, you know, you've been uh, the the lesser bits of 
not fantastic. Um, for being play. the youngest guy on that d- decor, he certainly acts like he's the most veteran, like night in, night out. Yeah. It just seems like he knows what he's doing and he doesn't get frazzled no matter the situation. Just no panic whatsoever, ever. I and mean, that's just one of the best compliments you could possibly give to a defenseman, I think, is just a, a lack of panic. And he has that and he's always had it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's that's no one would disagree with that. No. I mean, I do think it's interesting, like we're talking about how amazing the power play is. Um, like my caution is always for the Oilers to depend on their power play too much because, you know, we've heard the, the same chorus this year that we heard last year in the year and that we heard in the playoffs that, you know, uh, things don't get called against McDavid that should get called against McDavid, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, – as much as I love the fact that the Oilers can pivot the game on a power play, like if that is the only way they can pivot the game, they need to start working on how do they pivot on five on five? Because, you know, if we get to the playoffs, um, knock on wood, it looks really like a good, good sure thing right now, but there's a lot of season left. Yeah. Um, if they don't get those calls, they still need to be able to pivot the game. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, part of the reason they did so poorly against Winnipeg was there was no calls made. Well, I don't like heck still not taking the lid off swear jar. Um, that there's suddenly going to be a different standard of officiating this playoffs. So how do the Oilers, you know, create that momentum, um, five on five as well as on the power play. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, um, that forward depth really has to come in and perform, I know early in the season that third line was doing pretty good with uh, with Fogel, Ryan, and and Cassian. Of late, they've been bleeding a little bit more chances against, and their fancy stats have dipped considerably. Um, and the Oilers made maybe a little bit of a change to try to help and help that in the this upcoming road trip. Uh, but I'm not too sure about it. We're going to talk about that and a little bit more. Perhaps we'll even talk about. Uh, Seeing if the Oilers can win the division. I know it's early, but hey, it's up for the taking. Uh, We'll be talking about that right after the break. All right, and we're back. And I left you guys off with a little bit of a tease about what we're going to talk about. Uh, We're talking about uh, the Oilers' forward depth and how the third line has struggled of late and how the Oilers' uh, head coach, Dave Tippett, might have made a little bit of an improvement or not, maybe not an improvement, a tweak to the, the top nine here that sees Zach Cassian moving up from the third line to play on the second line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, while Kyler Yamamoto will go down to play with Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle. I have two thoughts on this. I am actually really excited to see Yamamoto with Ryan and Fogle. I think that will make our, our third line a lot better. I think I really like that trio of players. What I don't like is Zach Cassian on the second line, because I think we've talked about before, um, when Zach Cassian gets a chance in the top six, he feels like he can do a little bit more than he actually can, and it doesn't really help his game that much. So I'm a little surprised we saw uh, that move, especially after a very good game by that second line against the Rangers. Yeah, that's that's kind of <clears throat> that's a good that's a good point you make about Yamamoto playing with Ryan and Fogel. Maybe it's trying to uh, kind of spread around the offense a little bit. Uh, cause if you look at it just from like a promotion to motion viewpoint, like it doesn't make much sense at all because yeah. Kyler Yamamoto was kind of struggling to start the year. And then he's really turned a corner, scored a couple goals in, in consecutive games. 
uh, yeah, start Monday. Game, yeah, was playing great, and all of a sudden he gets moved down to the third line. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, if it's just like, hey, Yamamoto's playing great, let's put him in the third line. Maybe get a little bit of what he was bringing to the second line down there. Spread out the offense a little bit. I get that. Um, but yeah, what what does concern me is Zach Cassian, who had been playing really well by his standards. Uh, you kind of hate to move him too high up in the in the lineup because, as we've all said a hundred times in this podcast, like Zach Cassian does not need to play in the top six. I know that Tippett loves him and everything, but uh, you know he's he's a fine bottom six player. Uh, when you start putting him in the top six, I don't know, it's something he loses something to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just hope he doesn't, I, I hope he just kind of plays a simple game, uh, stays out of the penalty box, doesn't try to do too much. Sometimes when he gets a little too much ice time, I feel like he can get tired and he can start taking dumb penalties. And that's where he can really hurt the team is if he starts taking a lot of dumb penalties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I don't know if it's tired when he starts taking dumb penalties. Um, but I'm noting the same thing. It's like when he gets up into that second line, Maybe he tries to do too much or he crosses that line between agitator and instigator, um, you know, in an attempt to draw a penalty. And then the Oilers are on the kill where they don't have to be, but are because Zach Cassian is not playing to his strengths. I mean, I'm sorry. Can he skate better than he could last time you put him up on the second line? I don't think so. I mean, I mean Zach Cassian's like not a slow skater by any means, but yeah, he's a little. Well, you know, he was, he's not a strong point. Point. He was just, like a quarter of a rink behind the second line last time he was up with them. Now, granted, that was a, a dry sidle and Yamamoto second line, but you know, like, I don't know. Like, I understand trying to spread out your offense, but to be quite frank, I'm not sure this doesn't work to deactivate any chemistry you had in both lines, right? This drives me nuts. They had lines that were working, Yeah, you know? It just seems- the third yeah. line was actually like one of the best third lines in the, the NHL, you know? Um, it was physical. It was putting up secondary scoring. You know, it was, it was just solid. And, you know, for whatever reason, you're tinkering. And, and you know, of all the players I would have thought that could move up, you know, Fogel or Ryan would have been on my list ahead of, of Cassian to move up and, like, make an impact. I think Cassian is the worst one to move off the third line. And some of it is because of what you guys have said. Like, he's going to try to play a game that's not his game in an effort to prove he belongs there, which, you know, he doesn't let's be clear like this is not his game this is not what he's on this team to do you know it's like putting Devin Shore on the penalty on the power play and being like Devin Shore's on the power play no Devin Shore's on this team to be on the penalty kill you know like I'm sorry Jack Cassian's still not <laughs> no, on this team to be a top six forward yeah no I, I said it, he's a perfectly fine bottom six player I think it was a lot of our fears going into this season that we would see Zach Cassian in the top six. And when he wasn't there, where there's a huge sigh of relief, but sure enough, uh, less than two months in, we were going to get our first taste of him um, in that top six. And he just seems like a guy that, you know, what do you do with when he struggles on the third line, 
you don't you want to move him, but you don't want to move him to the fourth line because you don't think he'll do anything there. So you move him to the, <clears throat> the top six, but you know he's not really the the guy you put in the top six. So he's just a guy that has trade written all over him. He just doesn't fit on this team anymore. I don't think from a from a play style standpoint, it just doesn't make sense well, anywhere on this like, roster with how it's constructed. I feel, I feel like, like he kind of fits fine as just like a, a straight line player. Like, like he's, yeah. he's kind of like a, a poor man, Zach Hyman a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like he does everything Hyman does well are like also his strengths, but he's just not quite as good at any of them. And he's also not as good as his weaknesses either. Um, but yeah, I just don't see how having two of the same style of player on Nugent Hopkins wings is going to help out Nugent Hopkins as, as, as a playmaker. I just feel like yeah. he's going to need a little bit more give and go that Yamamoto was given him just makes more sense to me. You know, I guess you could say that maybe Cassian has been better at finishing uh, plays this year early on. So maybe he um, gels well with Nuge because um, yeah. Nuge has been a man possessed I'm with the, been... the plays this year. He's scored no, goal, no goals, but he leads the league in assists. So but Maybe. Hyman's been fantastic at finishing, right? Yeah, so, so is if Hyman. I'm new, so. Do I go to Hyman or do I go to Zach Cassian? Yeah, I, who am I gonna go to? Be whoever is in that front of that net, right? I think it's gonna be a mad dash. Yeah, but then, how do you, how, why are you wasting two good net front yeah. guys on the same line? Exactly. Like, that's, what, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm like, getting. You can't well, put them both in front of the net. I'm trying. I'm trying to kind of yeah. Puck retrieval and that, puck, like when we don't have the puck, they're the first guy in the forecheck, just throwing the big hit, trying to create a turnover. And then when we do have the puck, they're kind of the guy crashing the net, trying to get a deflection, get a set of screen. But they're they're just so similar. I just don't really see how they fit on the same line. I feel like they're going to be trying to get in the same spot a lot. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of but- the, the issue we you kind of get when you have Hyman and Puliarvi on the same line. And I think they play well off each other, but they are kind of the same player. Obviously, mm-hmm. Puliarvi is better than than Cassian, so it's not quite the same, but uh, uh, it's similar situation, I suppose. Yeah. Except yeah, I think again, like um, with Puliarvi, Hyman has something Puliarvi doesn't in his, you know, understand greater understanding of, you know, um, how things might play out, you yeah. know on ice but like Cassian's been in this league a long time like if he can't if his hockey IQ is at the point where isn't at the point where he can see how some of these plays are going to come together or whatever then you know it's it's never going to be there um again that's like a a different for me that's one of the differences between top six and bottom six guys is you know is that Cassian able to read what's happening on the ice assess it and then act in such a way that isn't detrimental to his team you know Mm -hmm. and um i haven't seen a lot of that out of him in the last year and a half i mean um he like Corey was saying he's a great puck retrieval guy he's a good energy guy you know oilers fans love him for whatever reason i mean just as much as they've dated him before they love him (laughs) so you know he brings the crowd into it you know all of those things there are great points for Zach Cassian, but I'm sorry. Like there's that, there's that for me, there's that gap where Zach Cassian isn't always looking at the ice in the same way that Hyman or Puyarvi or McDavid or Dreisaitl or, 
you know, new, just looking at the ice and mm -hmm. figuring out where they can go, what they can use, you know, when they lose the puck, how do they, what do they need to do to turn this back around so that uh, Miko Klaskin is not eating five shots, you yeah. know, um, he hasn't been that guy traditionally, you know, for the Oilers. So if he's suddenly got that depth of, you know, understanding and playmaking in him, um, maybe it bring, maybe it comes out, maybe I'm eating crow, but you know, you would have thought when we were getting our butts handed to us, um, he would have, we would have seen it. Yeah. It yeah. I think one thing too, about both Hyman and Cooley that they can bring to the top of the lineup that Cassian doesn't is, is their defense too. Like they're mm -hmm. both excellent defensive forwards and Cassian's pretty average defensively. So like those guys are pretty simple games. They're not going to be creating plays the way even like a Nugent Hopkins can, uh, let alone McDavid and Dreisaitl. But like those guys play very simple offensive games and can kind of don't disrupt what the more creative offensive players do, but they're also a really good defensive conscience. So you want to play those guys 20 minutes a night and Cassian, no, not so much. Yeah, and it's funny, we've been talking about the top six so much here, but uh, we haven't even mentioned that Carr um, McDavid and Leon Dresser are, are on one line again and not separated, which I think, again, I will say, I say it every episode, they should be on separate lines. I will give it a pass here for a little while because I've really liked that that Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto line. I'll give it a pass the what? here. The, the one that just got... It's gone. Like yeah. The one that's gone now. So yeah. we'll see. I'll give this Cassian experiment a game or two. I think we played Detroit and Buffalo. So if you're going to fuck shit up, um, do it there. Okay. Detroit's beating, uh, beating the Golden Knights last I checked. They're up 4-2 before we started recording. Oh, nice. So uh, just our luck. <laughs> We're going to run into a hot uh, Detroit team. And I'm sorry, sorry, guys. I lost. Hot my, for Detroit. Yes. I um, lost uh, I lost our, our swear label there. But uh, damn oh, it. Fuck, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I did it. I, I did it. You have never taken the lid off the swear jar. <laughs> ever. I know. Well, you know, I was kind of upset about that. I'll give it a game or two against these bottom feeding teams, but you know, if it doesn't work out, just go back to the obvious lines, man. It's not that hard. This is a good I think, group. It's not hard to deploy them. Right. I think what's interesting. Um, you mentioned it's against bottom teams is I think what's interesting is the Oilers um, traditionally haven't have played down, you know, maybe yeah. not so much this year. We haven't seen them against enough really elite level teams to know if they're playing down to their opponents, but traditionally they've played down to their opponents. And I think that's super dangerous for them with as much talent as they've got in their forward group. Um, because they need, uh, they need to be capitalizing. They need to be, um, especially with Tippett's love of the line blender, they need to be building team chemistry or whatever the hell they did in Vegas you know, where they came back out of Vegas and they're like, we did team they bonding. And I was go like, to more football games together. That's yeah. what they need. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, but not the Elks because they're done for the season and they yeah. didn't win at home at all. Only so Corey goes uh, to those games now. <laughs> not, not a, not a good example. Yeah. <laughs> um, please do not follow. Um, no, I, I just think it's uh, definitely an interesting, um, thing to watch for like as you watch them play higher ranked teams you know as you see them play god this sounds weird to say you know throughout the season teams like florida like who knew who knew that they were allowed to be good um or carolina 
they've got a really great defenseman in Carolina. I've heard a lot about, but uh, that, that, that might just be our Twitter guy, Matt. <laughs> really. Um, you know, like uh, as they look at those teams that are actually, you know, set up to push the envelope this, this season, I think it'll be interesting to see what level the Oilers play at. Cause oh, sure. you know, I always are like, Corey's like, well, you know, we're going to have barn burner hockey, but I think some of those teams are set up to set or set up to shut down barn burner hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, well, we don't have anything else. So we need to figure out what that looks like if we can't get six goals, you know, yeah. how do we deploy this team so that it's still successful? Right. I think, and I think that, that that's an, sorry, Buffalo, sorry, Detroit. Um, sorry, Vancouver. I know we've had trouble with you, but like, you're not a good team. Um, and also all no those teams, California, the, Ducks, you know, the Kings, all those people, right. I'm sorry to all of you too, but they, they need to be that kind of experimental game where they are like, you know, let's try casting on the second line and see what it does. Right. Because they can't afford to not know what the permutations of their team look like as they go into harder games, right? Yeah. The last thing I want is him putting Cassian on the second line when he knows it doesn't work against Carolina or Florida mm-hmm. or even Tampa, even though Tampa's not been great. They're still well, still defending champs, right? So yeah, still um, slightly tougher than Buffalo. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you you named off a lot of great teams there. The Oilers will be fighting for not just in their division, but like league wide with Florida and Carolina. The Oilers currently said, I believe, who let Florida be good at hockey? Yeah, I was literally Bill just down Zito, there. Man, Bill Zito is a fantastic GM, and he's really put his mark on that team. No, no, no. no. I was literally in Miami a couple of weeks ago. I was on a. You could have gone to a game, gotten a jersey no, for like. There 10 were bucks. no games. There were no games. Ah, I looked. Um, they were out of town when I was in town and Damn. in town, when I was out of town, um, I was on a, a tour and they told the tours, like it's only snowed in Florida once 1977 or in Miami once in 1977. And it was just some flurries that didn't lead to accumulation. <laughs> How can you be this good at hockey? If you've never had snow, Bill Zito, oh. man. And also, I think very few of their players are actually from the state of Florida, but <laughs> Miami has both alligators and crocodiles only place in the world. Florida huh. only plays with alligators and crocodiles because one's saltwater, one's freshwater. Anyway, I can understand why no one would want to go down there and play there because there's a bunch of reptiles that will eat you. <laughs> but you don't have to pay taxes or as many taxes. So, but there's a well, whole lot of uh, <laughs> a whole lot um, of uh, whole lot of a whole lot going on in that. Um, I remember Bill's. I think Bill Zito was one of the <laughs> finalists for our GM opening um, when we uh, fired Chirelli and had Keith Gretzky. Oh, it. so we could have had the good one. Could have. I was on the Bill Zito <laughs> okay. and Kelly McCrimmon train, but eh, unfortunately, eh, Kenny Holland got it. Got it. Um, but anyways, you you brought up some good teams there. Um, the Oilers, I think, going into the season, the expectation is that they would probably not get the division title. I think everyone. I think basically every. Uh, analyst out there had the Vegas Golden Knights taken home the, the Pacific Division without much of a fight. And now all of a sudden, you know, the Oilers are running away with it. Uh, they have 18 points, uh, mm-hmm. 9-1-0, and I believe second place is our provincial rivals. Calgary is 7... Let me get the Pacific Division standings up here so I can be very precise. But uh, the Flames are second, and then the Sharks are third, the Ducks are fourth, and the Golden Knights 
all the way there, down there at fifth with 12 points. Yeah, it's the Oilers in first with 18 points, Flames with 17, and there's a big drop-off with the Sharks and Ducks at 13 apiece. So, yeah, like, the division's enough, up for grabs for us this year. So, do, do you guys how many think games you pull it in, off? How many games in hand over the Oilers do the Flames have? Flames have one game in hand. So, Or no, the Oilers have a game in hand. Oilers have a game in hand. Oilers yeah. have a game in hand? Good, because I was going to say, like, the Flames started after the Oilers. So if they've played less games, there's only, like, that one-point difference right now, right? Yeah. They're both um, – it's really weird. I don't think, for as long as I can remember, both Alberta teams have been really strong contenders. Like, I know, I know it's, it's happened. One or the other. See, see various playoff iterations of, you know, the Oilers versus the Flames back in the, the heyday of Alberta hockey. But if you think in the last 20 years, it's been – one that does a drive. Well, actually, it's generally only been one Canadian team that, you know, goes places. Yeah. You know, you've got your Calgary run, you've got your Vancouver run. Not Toronto. They don't get out of the first round. Does, but, you know, I think even Ottawa it. had a run in there last year. Montreal did, you know. So. Does anyone remember when the uh, the Flames won or won the conference? That wasn't too long ago, was it? Like the oh, entire was, Western Conference? That, yeah. well, that would have been 2004. 2018-19. The Flames won the Western Conference. They had 107 points. Oh, oh sorry, in the regular season. season. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that was yeah, one. That's... And then they lost to uh, Colorado, right? I, did, I feel like not a lot of people remember that. It's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. weird. We keep talking about... No, the they were unreal that year. And then I can't believe how much worse they got the next year. Which yeah, was, the Oilers, of course, insane. they missed the playoffs that year. So I think I think you're on yeah. to something there, Shona. It's been a while since both... Uh, both Edmonton and Calgary have both been in like a division title battle. And I know it's early anyway, in the season. We're only 10 games. Let's in, see what but... they do with it. Maybe they both, you know, continue on and, and we get to have this conversation about what yeah, the, the Oilers Flames playoff matchup looks like. Oh God. I, mean, I don't think they're going to get a ton of competition in the division. Those two teams uh, like Vegas will come like Vegas will get healthy and then they'll, they'll make a late season charge for sure. Vegas still got a very good roster. I, I don't. But, know about, I think this slow start might cost them the top two spots. So I honestly. Don't oh yeah, yeah, think, yeah. For sure, they're, we just don't have to like. Uh, they're not going to miss the playoffs or anything. Yeah, I yeah. Think. I don't think so. But either. yeah. Um. But yeah. Not, no, not unless the injury bug bites them again later down the season, then they they could. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like I like knock on wood for Edmonton, but like I think Edmonton's probably the cost of the division considering the slow start from from Vegas. But Calgary is, as far as teams, I'm actually worried about. Calgary is the team I'm most worried about for actually catching us. Yeah, I think so too. And it's, it's, I, I hate to compliment them. I know we, we don't do on that them. on this podcast, uh, but uh, they're, they're that team. <laughs> I still don't think, I still I think, don't I think was... they'll catch us. I think we're still a better team than them, but uh, hey, props to them. I will like, say I was start. very glad that, although, although, very glad that Vegas won the Jack Eichel, you know, trade lottery um, this week uh... because I did not. Did not want to see him in Calgary. I, I was kind of split on that. I kind of wanted to see Battle of Alberta's with Eichel and McDavid. That would have been fun. Um, oh yeah. my God, Preston! I did not want to see the Edmonton. I did not want to see way better. Yeah, I wanted to see the Edmonton. I did not want to see what the Edmonton media would do with the rekindling of the McDavid Eichel. I guess uh, rivalry. That's <laughs> just like trade him anywhere but Calgary because I cannot re- or I cannot take Terry Jones writing. 40 columns about the rivalry between McDavid and Eichel or Eichel, which is a completely manufactured thing because they've played each other like eight times in their professional <laughs> careers. Yeah. 
This is not this is not Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. They don't play each other that. Yeah, much. they're not. Well, they're in the same division now, but they weren't before. Yeah, speaking know, of that, I'm Vegas, saying, like, I could not take it. And if he'd gone to Calgary, that's all I would have seen for like a good, you know, good couple weeks. You know, I was I remember for a little bit there, like Kachuk Plus was the rumored package for for Eichel. Yeah, I, yeah, I like, don't know well, if that was. Sign me up for that. It was like Kachuk's really good. Like I know we don't like him or anything. And then, like, Eichel's going to... I don't know. Do we not like him? Or or do we kind of... I don't know. This is always a funny one for me with Oilers fans. Do we not like him? Because there's there's two options. We could yeah. not like him. Like, really, honestly, not like him. Okay. Or we could not like him, but kind of a little bit like him. Because, like, when he's on the ice, our guys do better. Because they're, like, really, you know... <laughs> I just like, don't like him. I'm in the first. Oilers post. fans are interesting to me. Yeah, like, I think I just don't like him. him. I'm like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> or you don't like. I don't know him, exactly what the time, like, is, but I, you, I don't you like watch, the stuff. Uh, watch, but he's good. You have to respect him. You watch Oilers fans talk about how much better Drysaddle is, you know, when he's like, or how much they enjoy Drysaddle dunking on to chuck at Oilers or All Star games and all that, and you're like, do you not like? You're sounding pretty fond of a guy you're not supposed to like, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Are you do you do you not like him but secretly kind of like him to be Leon Drysaddle's punching bag? Okay, whatever. Like, I, what is it? I'm we're doing not. Here? I don't secretly like him. If Matthew Kachuk listens to this, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. Dad does. I don't Matthew like Kachuk you though. Doesn't. I don't like you, Matthew Kachuk. I'm. I got some odds here. I want the odds that the Oilers ever do, and you know this. This is probably not likely anytime soon. I just like to run out the hypothetical. Down the road, if the Oilers ever do decide to trade one of Dryside or McDavid, um, where are the odds Vegas does it? Because it seems like Vegas gets literally every big name on the trade market. They do right now, but I'd imagine <laughs> they're going to have to blow it up at some point. Oh, yeah. I so, just, man. Just because like McDavid and Dryside like, aren't going anywhere anytime soon because our window is, is right now, I can't imagine either of them ever ending up in Vegas for that reason. Oh, if, that, if a GM traded one of those guys in the division as well, they deserve to be fired. But yeah, I mean, one of my the, goodness, I mean, Vegas get exactly. Eichel now. I, uh, yeah, I'm with Corey. I think it's low as well because Vegas is, I think they're trading out right now because they're over cap after they got Eichel. Yeah. So, you know, dry sidles contracts friendly, but it's not that friendly. <laughs> so, you know, you need a, a team that's uh, got some cap room or willing to ship out a lot to get you. Uh, and I don't think that's Vegas. I mean, Mark I Stone hope that's could not be Vegas. Kucherov with uh, putting him on yeah, that's my IR and then bringing him back. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going in for surgery. He's, in the playoffs. he's got uh, Eichel's got several months before he's back, but um, I don't know. I just think. One, like you said, Preston, you're stupid if you trade within your division. Like, Laurel, Lord above, like, don't trade your <laughs> generational hockey players within your I, division. I was not, I was not insinuating that the Oilers were going to. It just seems like, oh but my two, god, I really don't trust the, any Oilers general manager against a Vegas general manager. That's true. Vegas Kelly general manager, is a with crafty the exception, man. with the exception of that Mark Andre Fleury trade, which I think was a bit of a statement by Vegas. Um, they've won just about every trade they've they've walked into yeah so like somehow we'd end up retaining salary and they end up with <laughs> mcdavid you know so no don't touch vegas vegas is embargoed no trading with vegas 
All right, I think we're running a little bit long here, so we're going around to predictions for the week. The Oilers open up a five-game road trip this Tuesday against the Detroit Red Wings. They then go to Boston to take on the Bruins on Thursday. They are in Buffalo on Friday to take on the Sabres. And then to to cap the week out or to begin next week, they go to St. Louis to take on the St. Louis Blues. What do we got here? We usually predict a clean sweep, but is that going to be the case this week? I'm going to predict it because I always do. But last time we made these predictions, I was a little uh, cocky and I said that we're going to blow everyone out and we ended up losing to Philly. Uh, So I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say the Buffalo game surprisingly goes to overtime. Okay. And the Oilers win and the rest of the games are like one goal wins. So like, I'm not, I'm not being overconfident here. I don't think. All right. What you got Shona? I think I'll go three and one. Um, I think either Boston or St. Louis is really going to give them issues. Um, Boston's been pretty solid, not fantastic, but solid. And St. Louis is just, St. Louis needs to give me back Jake neighbors, but beyond that, they have just been, whatever they're doing, it's working. So uh, I think they're going to go three and one and maybe one of those wins is in overtime, but uh, yeah, I don't think they'll beat Boston and St. Louis. But I do expect that they beat Detroit and um, Buffalo. No, like, no, no giving Detroit a point just because they're your old Holland's old team. Like, <laughs> no pity points here, guys. Um, okay? Oh, man. I don't want to copy you, Shona, but I think three and one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I, I can see them. Being, Aren't you supposed to be aligned with Corey? I know, but I feel like they got to start losing games at some point, And I don't want to, I never want to predict that, but okay. So screw it. They're going to do it. They're going to go four and all this week. Hell yeah. And I'm going to say they're going to blow out the red wings. McDavid's getting a hat trick. Then they're going to beat the Bruins by two. Sabres is going to be in their blow up and hell they're going to blow up the blues as well. We're going. They are going not the blowing up the blues. They're going to do it. You do you, Preston. <laughs> Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. And hey, these Oilers games this week, we're no no longer there. Are they 8 p.m. starts? They're going to be 530 Mountain. So we're going to get some early games here. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>